A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. I've been wondering why there are no dumpty mugs and why they've not taken off. And then I tried it on my cat's piece, Montilly. So I'm going to leave you with their rendition of uh, Harford Green. You ready, Tilly? Them, by the way. Go on, go on then, give it some. Is that the best you can manage? Say hello to Whitefield and Lucy. Hello. Come on. Thank you. That's why cat wrangling is just not worthwhile. This is Dum Dum, the show about the reality turkey drama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Thai fisherman's pants that is Royfield Brown and with me are the clown trousers that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Rory and Kate's room share, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from Red Agnes's Moggies. Hey, that's so, <laughs> uh, it's a, 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 a bit of a somewhat surreal Dumpty Dum there, but we <laughs> thought we'd put it in there because, you know what, we are a diverse coalition of people that love the archers. It's not only human beings, but it's dogs and cats. Now, Lucy, yes. if, if any one of our callers would like to send us in a Dumpty Dum, just how can that be done? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-0313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs. Shambridge for her brilliant voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts. And to Derek for Learn in the Back Bedroom, uh, Derek's looking forward to spring and has paid his first visit of the year <clears throat> to the garden centre. Uh, he's planning on Rosa Floribunder on the shed roof and Dame Kirita Kana were spread up against the back fence. Hey. <laughs> I was quite liked her as a little kid, you know. <laughs> what, a, what a handsome woman. Um, on this week's episode, we hear views from Red Agnes, Katrina, Titian, Susan, Paul, Catherine, Drew, Andrew, Monty, Goddess Diva, and John. But first, folks, before the plethora, the smorgasbord, the universe of voices that is the Dumpty Dum Caller in is, it's our Lucy and a week in Ambridge. Hello, Lucy. 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 Hello, Lucy.
was Valentine's Day in Ambridge. Safe to say there was not a whole lot of love going on, just a lot of relationships that made <laughs> us go, yeah, I'm really sure this isn't a good idea. Molly and Tilly Button, who would go to the opening of an envelope, appeared to be the only people who turned up at Ben and Rory's caravan orgy. David spent the whole evening crouched behind a hedge watching teenagers shagging. You do know what that makes you, don't you, David? Tyne, Dogger, Fisher, German Bite. <laughs> Valentine's... Valentines of advanced years seem to be the only ones who got it on with any success, namely Leonard and Jill. David even spied on them, having phone sex, for goodness sake. It would have been proper sex, but Leonard had some credit to use up on his mobile till the next month, and Jill <laughs> didn't want to miss Alan Titchmarsh's extreme composting. This was after a day at Lower Loxley, when Jill unleashed on poor Leonard exactly what he was letting himself in for. Well, Leonard, this is my son Kenton, a teenager in his late 50s, and this is his wife, a busty barmaid who talks like the rabbit from the Cadbury's Caramel advert, who invented a woman called Beverly Drains and has been living under an assumed name for the last 30 years. All quite normal, quite normal. Oh, and my daughter Elizabeth, who has a dicky ticker and is a bit tired. She's absolutely fine. She's just a bit tired. She just needs to brush her hair and she'll be fine. Leonard took all this in his stride, God bless him, and assured Jill that Freddie, who he's never met, will be fine because he's like Elizabeth, who he'd met for two minutes and was clearly off her onion. Thank God for wise <laughs> Leonard. Poor Lee made an effort to take Helen out for Valentine's Day and she thought it was so funny to go to a common place. Oh, look, there's people eating food that isn't organic. It's sweet. Um, he also had a confession. Um, I used to not help around the house and I used to go to the gym all the time. Oh, yes, my marriage was pretty much the same, except <laughs> a bit more knifey, said Helen vaguely. Uh, at the rest of Bridge Farm, things were not quite so romantic. Tony and Johnny had a lovely time together. She's fleshy round her tail head, said Johnny. I've always gone by, I've always gone by feel and eye, said Tony. Then they were both asked to leave aqua aerobics and that was the end of that. They went home and found Tom in a state of arousal about his new iLeak app. He excitedly showed his father the bit that tells you the most efficient route to a customer's house. That's incredible, gasped Tony. It's a bloody sat-nav. What is wrong with you people? I think there's a sign just outside Pat and Tony's that says, Bridge Farm, you are now entering 1952. Please drive carefully. <laughs> outside of Valentine's Day, Brian decided he needed to cut down on costs, so he went to Gay Grable's for lunch. He managed to snag some free chips to go with his pâté de foie gras and complained that he couldn't afford now to watch the cricket or send his son to private school. My God, he said, I think I'm one of the underclass. It says something for Jennifer that after decades of her husband rogering everything that didn't move fast enough, her bringing up his lover's child, having one child who lives entirely on Skype, a son who's having a child with a woman that cleans the caravans, and an alcoholic daughter, it was the fact that she's only got room for one tagine that drove her to tell Kate to get a bloody grip. <laughs> I actually cheered. Not that it did much good because Kate huffed off, moved into a yurt for 10 minutes and was then irritatingly rescued by Auntie Lillian, who escorted her back to the Dower House Gin Palace. Blast you, Lillian. That was our chance to see Kate having to bathe in the swirling acid vat that is now the Am and live off deer food and whatever she can scrape out the silage clamp. And I have a new hero. We all need one. Hurrah! Someone we, can, someone we can look up to. The new music act at the ball is the man that delivers the sanitary products to the pub. Who better? <laughs> who better to entertain a jaded, weary crowd than Tampax Les? He's fine until... <laughs> He's fine until he has a drink. Then he tends to swell up a bit and take up more of the stage than anyone was expecting. 
can't do that. <laughs> I was a bit worried about that one. Too late, I've done it. <laughs> Please say that's the end. <laughs> no, it isn't. Gets worse. No, oh, it doesn't. Okay. And in a harrowing episode, which I really shouldn't include in this bit, Elizabeth began her therapy. That poor therapist, she doesn't know what she's letting herself in for. So how did you meet your husband, Mrs. Pargeter? Well, he dressed up as a gorilla and climbed into bed with my dad. And that was it, really. Mrs. Pargeter, we're going to be needing two <laughs> sessions a week and I'm going to put my prices up. The end. Oh, well done. That, that really was a triumph. <laughs> oh, I love a monologue with a sanity joke, I'll tell you. <laughs> Oh, well done, Freeman. Oh, you've really brightened up my day. Well done, Mrs. So uh, normally at this point, Arlus, I'd say um, last week in Ambridge, and then we'd go through our thoughts and feelings. But we have so many bloody calls because we're that popular that I think we should just go straight to the caller in us. Okay. Hello, Ambridge 3962. We have a new caller in Woohoo! Hello, this is old Grey Whiskers. Not the first time I've called in, oh, but okay. it is the first time I've <laughs> this moniker. Anyway, um, I believe that I am probably a Jolene, because the first thing I really remember from recent plots is the shower scene. Oh, God. Anyway, my question is, are all the inhabitants of Ambridge possibly morbidly obese? On the basis that the archers, four generations of them, are apparently fed from the Brookfield kitchen by Jill, they also have the possibility of Wayne's delightful meals at the Bull, yeah. the Orangery at Lower Loxley, yeah. the restaurant at Gay Grables, <laughs> and the tea rooms. <laughs> Nobody else ever seems to eat at these places except the occasional now tea total convention at Lower Loxley. Yeah. And the seemingly invariably forgetful guests at Gay Grables who leave half their possessions for Roy and Linda to catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> and every second episode, someone has brought a pack of sandwiches for someone on a tractor. <laughs> so where the hell is all this food going? <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh. It's a good point. For a small village, they do have an awful lot of eateries, don't they? Mm. I suppose it's the conceit of having to have communal places yeah. on a docudrama, isn't it? That, Not to mention yet another business they can open and have a business plan about and a crisis about and everything else. True that. In Brookside, it used to be the uh, the post box in the early days of Brookside before they, they built... They in a post box? No. They used to meet. It oh, I see. A, a way <laughs> for say, characters to interact. Surely. No, very. They fed you the um, food through the slot in the top. <laughs> no, the uh, the hygiene rating agency wouldn't have liked that at all. No, would they? You know, no, mm, no. Uh, poor ventilation for the food. Yes. Anyway, uh, so um, thank you. I wonder what his original moniker was. I know. I was trying to work out from his voice, but I can't remember. Mm. Mm. It's not the Sussex Shepherd. No. 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 Different accent. Uh, please call in again, Mr. Whiskers. And uh, let us know who you used to be. <laughs> right now, uh, 
Well, well, I'm, I'm really interested. I really want no, to I know. I am as well. It's just this is the only show on which you'd have somebody called Grey Whiskers asking him to tell us who he used to be. It's just, <laughs> anyway, never mind. <laughs> Maybe it was uh, the colour that his whiskers used to be before, before they were mm. grey. Mm. Mm. Talking about Grey Whiskers, I just did, I just did um, a map corner Mm-mm. about imaginary maps with R. Kerry. And I tell right. you, his whiskers, Salvador Dali like, wow. Yes. yes. Proper curl round the ends and everything. Proper wax he's got on those things. Yeah. Tremendously handsome, hirsute gentleman. Anyway, uh, let's go from old grey whiskers to our nanny Sue. Now, she definitely is a new time caller in her. Hello, Royfield and Lucy and everyone in Dumdy Dum land. It's Nanny Sue here, a first-time caller in Told you. I'm got an Adam, right. sad to say. Oh. My mum got headphones to listen to the racy storyline of Jennifer being pregnant by some <laughs> cowherd person years ago. We weren't allowed to listen to it in case it corrupted us. <laughs> anyway, um, dum-de-dum is the best thing about the archers these days. The storylines of late have driven me bonkers. The writing actually up until this week, has been absolutely crap of late. Can I say crap? Yes. I've said it now anyway. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, well, Elizabeth, why didn't she die instead of Nigel? Ooh. Why didn't Helen get <laughs> oh, killed? Dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> why did they save all these pathetic, dreary creatures and get rid of the good ones? Um, the other reason I'm phoning in, because I share a birthday with someone in the Archers on Sunday. I was delighted about that. I thought it was confirmation of a star listener status. But the way she's turned out, mm, I mean, I'd have got the morning after pill rather than have had Toby's baby. <laughs> Repeating the same storylines over and over again. You know, Rex, Toby and Pip. And then we had the Ed, Will and Emma. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, and then killing off Will's wife. I mean, why do they do that? And what happened to Jamie Perks? What happened to Kathy? Why does nobody talk to Usha? What about Alan's daughter? What about Mike Tucker and the little one up in Birmingham? Rubbish, rubbish. Anyway, bye for now. Oh. <laughs> Oh dear. I'm, uh, a, I'm amazed she still bothers to listen, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> she listens just to get angry, does our nanny Yes, Sue. yes, mm. I think you're right. <laughs> An anger listen. Um, I, I will draw a line at you saying you wished Helen had died because that means that the terrible Rob would have killed her. And uh, mm. I, I can't condone I can't condone that thought. So I will not go along with that, though I am fully on the... Um, the Tucker's been in Birmingham. That's just a bad move. Um, mm. I never really cared for Nigel, but that's just me. I'm in a, a, a really small minority of characters that never really cared for the character of Nigel. It's too much like Billy Bunter for me. I never cared about Kathy and Jamie. Oh, Lucy, you're so wrong. You're so wrong. Kathy... I think she's a brilliant actress, but I just think after the rape storyline, she wasn't given much to work with, and Jamie just seemed a bit blank. Really? I mean, that's not his fault. I mean, he, you know, if he'd been given a decent storyline, maybe we'd have changed our minds about him, but I would have changed my mind about him. But but, the, but there was loads of teenage tension between him and his mother. 
Mm. Her being a single mother, trying to bring yeah, him up. Yeah, then yeah. her with a new relationship with Kenton, that not working because the damage that she, the mental damage that she sh- suffered from being raped. Kenton trying to help her, but not being able to to reach her emotionally. And then his relationship with Jamie. Kenton yeah. really got on with Jamie. And then yeah. there was Jamie coming into his own in the pub because he had a share in the pub. Uh, yeah, no, Luce, oh, what are you talking about? It's not often <laughs> I disagree with you, woman, but you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> all right, then I'm wrong. Yeah, we, we need we need Jamie Perks back. And he was doing all his tree surgery stuff. No, yeah. no, no, no. And as I said, to Headley on the two or three opportunities when we've actually spoken it's her and the her great portrayal of Kathy having the affair with the policeman that got mm. me into the archers in 1984 it was that mm. when I was trying to switch off the radio quickly enough when you know this ridiculous twee music came on and then there she was snogging the policeman and saying oh mm. I need to get back to Sid and he's going no no don't go back and I went hey <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I love the idea that her mum had to listen to the listen to racy story. She bought headphones to listen to racy storylines. That's brilliant. And I tell you, headphones back in the late sixties, proper high tech as well. Yeah, really? She probably shelled out a pretty penny on. They those were probably things. the size of bungalows clamped to each ear. <laughs> they absolutely massive. <laughs> absolutely, it shows you what a different society, a different world mm. that we live in. If your mother is going to forbid you for listening to something that was, was it even Radio 4 then? It's probably the home service or something. Mm, the light you know, program. Yeah. You, oh, you, you can't listen to that. Mm. You know, <laughs> good heavens. Anyway, it shows you how racy and how daring that storyline yeah. was at the time. All right. Yeah. So anyway, last week we had um, a bottle episode, didn't we, Lucy? Whereby um, the whole episode was just one scene. Yep. And um, dare I say, one of our listeners was like a pig in muck about that. Do you want to take a wild guess as to which listener went his... <laughs> Was it? I think, I think you might be right. Here he is opining about that episode. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all dumb tea dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. So I was working out at the gym on Wednesday, first watching the show Flowers on my iPhone while on the treadmill talk about a dysfunctional family. But then I switched to listening to the day's episode of The Archers when I began my weight training. Elizabeth was meeting with her therapist for the first time. After about five or six minutes, I wondered in amazement whether the producers would actually devote the entire episode to the therapy session. By the end, I wanted to stand up and say, bravo, Archers. Royfield yeah. had previously brought up the excellent show In Treatment, and I thought maybe we'd get snippet of Elizabeth's treatment, like in The Sopranos, but I didn't expect an entire episode dedicated to the exploration of her depression. First off, I 100% agreed with what Lucy and Royfield said last week. I thought that Elizabeth's announcement, I have depression, was odd and not well-conceived but Alison Dowling made up for it with an excellent portrayal this episode. Keep in mind, 13 minutes does not a therapy hour make, 
but I fully understood the structural limitations of the episode and bought into it because how well written it was and because I felt like I was sitting with Elizabeth for a full hour. My initial visit with a patient actually lasts 90 minutes. I find there's a lot of ground to cover. Unlike this therapist, whose name and degree we never find out, and other therapists and psychiatrists, I never ask for any written background information ahead of time. I even ask for basic stuff like address, telephone number, family members, and work, which serves as a warm-up and helps to break the ice with the patient. Now, I read some criticism online about the fact that Elizabeth was able to get an appointment with the therapist so quickly, even considering the fact that she went privately. Again, I give the show dramatic license to have done so. It's equivalent to the fact that I, like many psychiatrists here, am not a participating provider in any health insurance company, so the wait for an appointment with me is typically two weeks. I also read some criticism that the therapist was being too directive or supportive. I didn't Mm -mm. think so. I thought she was rather open-ended in her questions and suggested to Elizabeth that she go with whatever she was thinking about. There were times she was a bit more directive, suggesting to Elizabeth that it was okay to feel a certain way, but I thought that was fine because she needed to offer support to a very depressed person and break through her resistance. There were a couple of basic follow-up questions that were not asked, such as, why was Freddie in jail? And how did Nigel die? I'll give the therapist the benefit of the doubt considering the time constraints. She also quickly zoned in on Elizabeth's grief about Nigel, which probably in reality would not have occurred so quickly. As an aside, I wonder if Elizabeth's exploration of Nigel's death will lead back to any unresolved anger toward David. David, I also wonder whether she still grieves for the lost pregnancy when she had an abortion. The therapist also got Elizabeth to touch upon a lot in the 13-minute hour including issues related to her fragile health when she was a young child, her sense of having a free ride growing up, her low self-esteem, her having to be the caretaker of another family's legacy, and her sense of failure as a parent. Again, all these issues would not have been touched upon in the first session, but that show business. Most importantly, (laughs) the therapist emphasized that this all will be a slow process of discovery and recovery. I hope Elizabeth listens. Hey, I was in therapy for 18 years. Talk to you all soon. Bye. Uh, apart from, forget the content, um, but what were your feelings on them devoting a whole episode to that one scene? I really liked it. I always liked, uh, um, um, I know EastEnders did, did things like that, didn't they? And yeah. I think when people are really, really invested in... Dot and Ethel. Mm, when people are really, really invested in characters, and Elizabeth is one of the longest running, you know, she's been in it, since as a child you know she it's not like they wouldn't do this with somebody uh like you know jim lloyd or something it would have to be somebody really really you know sort of intrinsic to the show integral to the show and um i think i think it was it was excellent i think it was really moving i didn't actually it sounds ridiculous but it was only when the end music played that i realized that that was the whole show i hadn't because i'd been so engrossed i hadn't noticed how long she'd been We'd been with her, sort of thing, mm. which is a good, a good sign. I don't know, and I did say because I did speak to Witherspoon. We had a little chat at um, 
before we recorded this, a few days before we actually recorded this episode, because I said to him, very obviously, you are um, a, you are a therapist. This is a, an episode uh, devoted to therapy. So feel free to go longer than two minutes and do a couple of calls and I'll mm. stitch them together. And And I did say to him that I actually walked off feeling slightly underwhelmed by that episode. I like the deep dive. I like the fact mm. that it was all about Elizabeth talking. Mm. But I I suppose for me, the reason why I felt a little bit underserved, and I'm holding my hand up and saying I could be completely and utterly wrong, is because she didn't actually say anything that us as listeners didn't hadn't already worked out. Mm. that I expected there to be a bit of a swerve and her to say, and then there was yeah, this. Yeah, but you're talking about listeners like us who are, you know, obsessive. If you were just a, a normal, casual... <laughs> if you, he says, doing a podcast about the archers. If, if, um, if you're just a casual listener, mm. you might only know Lizzie as the one that, you know, shagged her employee and, you know, and, and her son's now in clink. You wouldn't have known all about the... Um, that a heart problems, the fact that she was spoiled, the fact that she was treated differently, the fact that she felt guilty about that. You know, we know that because we've known her since she was born, but other people haven't. You know what, Luce? Uh, I'll give you that. I will give you that, right, that what they had to do is do Elizabeth Pardew's knee archer's greatest hits, didn't they? They had to go through her backstory yeah. And, yeah. and remind everybody. And, yes, if you are a... If you just happen to do a podcast which just happens to be about the archers, you kind of know this stuff. Um, and I, I and I always cite that episode of EastEnders with Dot and Ethel, mm. where it's raining outside and they just talk yeah. about the war days as being one yeah. of my favourite episodes of any long-running yeah. soap. It yeah. was just lovely, but yeah. I just didn't quite walk away with that feeling with this. However. Um, to do therapy on uh, a docudrama, to have a therapy session, I'm guessing has got to be a first. I'm sure maybe on Brookside or EastEnders. No, or and they, there's a whole comedy series about it or a comedy drama no, series but I mean, about but, it on Ready Foot. But you mean on a, on a, on yeah, a soap, yeah. On a, on a, yeah? on a docudrama, Lucy. Sorry, docudrama, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't do soaps. No. Uh, Anyway, uh, it, it's got to be a first, and I'm sure that on, on on others, maybe people have gone off to have a bit of therapy, but yeah. um, you don't have that person for that whole episode, you know, on, on the couch. What I found speak. most, this is the ranty thing that I was talking about earlier. Ooh. What I found interesting about this was Elizabeth's own guilt at what she was doing. That she kept saying, but oh, but that's not it, that's not it. I just need to get fixed. I just need to get fixed and stop being self-indulgent and move on. And... Um, uh, we have uh, we had an emailer in her, um, Ambridge Pony Club, who I will read out in a minute, but I think she and I are on the same page with this, as they say. Um, I have depression and I had therapy for a long time, six years, something like that. And I take antidepressants and I take them every day. And I started taking them, can't remember, four years ago, three years ago. And uh, I started taking them and I um, went to the GP and I started taking them and uh, you have to go back for a follow-up thingy. There's so many myths about antidepressants and you just feel like, oh, anyway, um, 
one of them is, oh, they just dole about like smarties. No, they bloody well don't. Anyway, um, so I, I went back to see him and uh, he said, so how are you feeling? And I said, I said, I feel incredible. I feel like I've been let out of prison. And he said, that's marvelous. He said, is there any questions? I said, yes. When can I stop taking them? And he said, sorry. And I said, when can I, I stop taking the antidepressants? And he said, you've just told me you feel like you've been let out of prison. Why do you want to go back in? And I said, well, because you shouldn't take them, should you? I mean, they're bad for you, aren't they? And he said, well, depression's not that great for you. And um, it, he, had, he took a long time. And I was amazed at my own imbecility that I would assume. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That something that was making me feel better I didn't deserve and that I just had to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight to um, fix it myself and that I was being self-indulgent or narcissistic or whatever, uh, getting proper help. 
It was absolutely extraordinary. And if any of my friends had done it, I would have been extremely sympathetic to them. Uh, and, you know, and wouldn't have said to them, oh, I don't, oh, can't, can't you just, you know, go to bed earlier? Can't you do whatever? Um, and uh, it was only when, and I am deeply ashamed of this now, but it just sort of shows you what a pillock you can be sometimes. Um, when there was a lady up the road whose teenage daughter died, she committed suicide and she suffered from tremendous depression. And um, the neighbours knew about it. And um, uh, obviously we, you know, sent flowers and did all that stuff. And I met a mutual friend of, of, of this lady's and I said, I said, it's so sad. And uh, she said, yes, it's a terrible illness. And I said, oh, did she have an illness as well? And she said, no, she had depression. It's a terrible illness. And I thought, oh, yeah. And it was the way she said it. I had automatically gone to thinking she had cancer. She had, you know, she must have mm. had something else. Not just that that itself is an illness. And, you know, I, I'm getting quite sort of militant about it now because, um, sorry, this is turning into a bit of an epic no, no, you, you go. <laughs> rant. Um, uh, uh, people try and people who wouldn't dream of commenting on any other aspect of your life when you say I take antidepressants they say oh have you tried yoga have you tried you know herbal tea have you well it's very stressful but maybe you can come off them as soon as as soon as things have calmed down and you think stop telling me when I should come off th- why do I have to come off them why is there this pressure the worst thing I ever saw was a bloody a breakfast television magazine program that very helpfully put up on screen the amount antidepressants was costing this country, was costing the NHS. As if that is going to make anybody that suffers from depression and has feelings of anxiety about their own self-worth, as if that was a good idea. It's just the one of the most pathetic, most just disgusting things I've ever seen. You know, never mind, you know, what alcoholism is costing the country or drug abuse or obesity or whatever else. No, no, no. Let's concentrate on antidepressants that make the anxious anxiety, let's make the anxious people worse, you know. Um, and then you have the people that say, well, have you tried coping without them? And, you know, my thyroid doesn't work. So I take synthetic I take have to take synth- a synthetic thyroid hormone, like lots and lots and lots of people. It's a very common thing. And I also wear contact lenses. And if I take my contact lenses out, try as I might, I am not going to be able to see any better. If my brain doesn't produce the right chemicals, I can try all I like. It's not going to make any difference. Yes, of course, there's a place for talking therapies and whatever, you know, and I had that and whatever else sort of gets you through. But it's your choice. It's not a weakness. It's not up to anybody else how you deal with it. And People who haven't ever experienced it could, should shut the fuck up, quite honestly. And, you know, I agree, you know, the, the way that um, they're all talking about it, as if she's, you know, she's grown another head or something, as if she's let herself down. She's let them down. And it, she's talking about herself as if she has let herself down. And it's just, it's so accurate, it's depressing in itself. And I feel like saying to people, I tell you what, if you think I should stop taking antidepressants, how about I take my contact lenses home and I'll drive you home? I'll take my contact lenses out and I'll drive you home. How about that? Because if you think I can just, uh, sorry, I'm going to get upset. (laughs) If you think I could just sort of jolly my way out of this, let's see if I can jolly my eyes into working as well. 
and good bloody luck. Hey, listen, uh, well, well said, you. This is uh, Ambridge Pony Club. The way they're all running about, talking behind closed doors, not wanting to name the disease, even telling the staff that she has fatigue. Frankly, if the staff haven't all copped exactly what was up weeks ago, I would be stunned. Kenton was even embarrassed to suggest to Lizzie herself that she might have depression. Jill, the first person they should have told Lizzie was not well, still hasn't been told. Even Pip has to be protected from this. This is how cancer used to be talked about. Absolutely right, that other thing. This is exactly where the fear, stigma, guilt and shame come from. None of them have a problem saying she has a heart problem. That's not confidential. While it's accurately observed, uh, for the sake of changing the way we talk about mental health, I wish at least one character, perhaps the unheard GP, could have been robustly and reassuringly down to earth. Lizzie has a depression. It's a disease. It's an absolutely awful, crippling, life-threatening disease, but that's all it is. It requires medication and supportive care. It needs to be treated as matter-of-factly as cancer or diabetes or any other health issue. I also wish they'd chosen someone other than Elizabeth to highlight this issue. She has wads of cash, the ability to stop work without financial disaster, a large supportive, if clueless, family, and most importantly, the means to turn to private healthcare. Thanks to Prince Harry, people do seem to realise it's okay to have mental issues, at least outside Ambridge, but what is not okay is the appalling lack of proper psychological services in the NHS, and I would really would have liked them to address this. That's all for now. I'm still a silent caller in but my mental health issue is it still scares the pants off me to speak to an answer phone. Odd but true. I can address a conference. No bother. Setting self a target. Maybe if Molly Button speaks, so will I. Or if they bring Nigel back in any way, even as a ghostly voice. Hope Lucy's okay under the blanket. I'm not okay under the blanket, actually, <laughs> Average Pony Club. But thank you for the... Uh, thank you for the for the, for the the kind thoughts. And uh, that is an excellent message. I, it's, it's like... I do... I, it, my my GP said to me, if you had type one diabetes, I would give you insulin because you cannot, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to manufacture it yourself. If you're not able to manufacture serotonin yourself, if you're not able to uh, deal with your brain chemistry yourself, you have to have help with that. And he said, I can't say to somebody with type one diabetes, try harder to process insulin. Mm. And you know, saying just try harder to overcome depression is insane. And the more the more people are secretive about it, the, the the more people don't admit that they have. I don't like putting it on things when you fill out forms for the gym or whatever, or they say, what medication are you on? And you have to say citalopram, da, da, da. And you can see there's, you. I don't know if you imagine it, but you kind of think there's a, huh, okay. But it's now, you know, I'm just, I'm past the stage now of, of hiding it. And the more we hide it, the more people won't get help when they need it. I'm sufficiently now old enough that I can plot in my life how attitudes to homosexuality have changed and also to mental health. And whilst I use, I say change as if it's the past tense, um, different people are coming to the realisation that the brain is just like any part of the body and and it gets sick. It's as simple as that, that yeah. there are still people who are older who believe you can just apply yourself, just apply yes. yourself. You know, you'll be all right. <laughs> just, just try harder. And it's not just them, though. It's the clean people, the clean, the clean eating people and the clean lunatics, the yoga people. I don't mm. mean I mean, I like yoga and I do yoga. But the people that say to me, you know, have you tried giving up gluten? 
Mm. Why would I give up gluten? Oh, well, there's a lot of link between depression and gluten. And you think, do you know what? I'm going to stick to science. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the person that did seven years medical training and just didn't <laughs> watch a three-minute video on YouTube. Mm. And by the way, I'm sure none of you will because you are all excellent, excellent people. But if any of you message me to say, have I tried putting hot stones on my rear end or any of that bollocks, I will block you. Okay, good. I'm sure you won't, but just in case. I no. Listen, I'm not this I I was gonna talk about something, but you know what? No, because you'd be you're so eloquent and uh, there is absolutely no point in me trying to, to to pile on because um I don't I I've only dealt with depression in terms of having a partner that was depressed. Mm. And you and you realise that yeah, it isn't a case of just saying go out and have a run. You know, it, mm. it's yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. that might help. If you can be, if you can be so paralyzed as I have been for 25 minutes trying to decide whether or not you wanted a jacket potato or a sandwich for lunch and just being so anxious well, that, or so incapable of making a decision mm-hmm. that you just didn't have anything at all because the decision was too big and the fear of getting it wrong was too massive. Or loose. Uh, let me just help you out for future reference. If if the sandwich is a cheese and <laughs> it's pickle, it's a jacket potato. No, I know. Is I it, know. No, it's a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just ring you if it happens again. When I come off the pills, Roy, I'll just ring you and say, "What shall I wear? What shall I have for lunch?" <laughs> I did think, and and we did mention this last week, tiptoeing around Elizabeth. Mm. Didn't really ring true. Oh, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. I think it did ring true. No, well, but but not all, but not all of them. But also, the one bit which made sense because if you remember about two three weeks ago when we when we first said this, we said, "Well, why would Jill not have noticed?" Jill Scott mm. Leonard, and she's been distracted. Understood. Yes. Understood. Yes. Understood. But look at the way that Jolene is emotionally. Jolene is an emotionally empathetic person she's warm she understands people yeah jolene would would have spotted this um a little bit earlier and also would have um said to kenton when kenton's like oh we can't tell pip and we can't shall we tell mom was going to jolene would have been like no there's many people that love and care for her uh should know as 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 possible because you know to at least know that but jolene is quite conscious she says it's not my family she is quite conscious she keeps out of the way Mm. i think no true she's the only person that said you're ill don't worry about it you're ill Mm. you know you're just not very well and um yeah yeah anyway you know what? Have you ever thought of hot stones or um <laughs> <laughs> fuck off? <laughs> Listen, you, you, you're, you're a lovely person, and I, and I know you love you. I, I love you dearly. And um, as I said to you off camera, um, I, I love and hate you in, in equal, no, not quite in equal measure, because that sounds dreadful. Off camera, 
We're being filmed. I've got a blanket over my, my head, Rolf. My... You could have told me I'd have done my hair. <laughs> but I so bloody wish I was as funny as you. But anyway, you know, you're just like you're just just bloody awesome. I don't know what to say because you were just so brilliant and just so um, honest and forthright with uh, talking about um, the illness that you have. Well, it's important. I know it's important. And as it soon as me. anybody, mm. but I don't have, as the... soon as anyone talks about anything uh. where they feel like they have to lower their voice, that's when you have to shout whatever it is. They've just said like this, shout it instead. <laughs> that's always the best idea. idea. Right. I agree. I can remember my, my grandma still talking about people who are divorced. Mm. Seriously. Goodness. And that was only 120 years ago. <laughs> and you remember that, do you? Mm. Mm. Who's next? Right, it's John. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I've been listening to Blimey. you for at least a couple of years. <laughs> Change of pace. I finally got courage to leave a message on SpeakPipe. My name's John. I live in rural Oxfordshire. I work for a charity and I've been following the Archers since I was at university. I can just remember a young Nigel Pargeter in a gorilla suit, which I reckon was about <laughs> 1983. So that makes me a Nigel. Now, a gorilla, I thought I'd call in because I want to defend Adam. I've always rather liked his slightly underwhelming attitude to life in comparison <laughs> with the outrageous behaviour of so many of the other characters. He and Ian both seem to me to be a couple of ordinary not very exciting people dropped into the melee of slight madness and eccentricity. No, complete madness and eccentricity that makes up the rest of Ambridge. When the doors closed, I like to imagine the two of them on a Sunday night, maybe watching Country File, followed by the Antiques Roadshow. I've got a yep. feeling Adam buys some of his clothes mail order from Orvis and is perhaps the only Ambridge <laughs> resident that actually listens to Radio 4. Yes. I suppose really... Even if I might aspire to be Lillian or even Kenton, Adam might actually be me. Oh, a bit of order and ordinariness <laughs> isn't such a bad thing, Royfield. Adam may be a bit beige, or as Farrow and Bull would describe it, slipper satin. But not everyone has to be blazer number 212. All right, time to go and listen to Round Britain Quiz on BBC Sounds. Um, I think you'll find, sir that I didn't castigate them for being boring uh, per se, is that they've been written in an, in a very boring way and that we don't believe them actually as a couple. And I made the point of saying, John, and by the way, didn't he start that call with gusto? You know, it's a did. real handbrake turn to what we were talking about before. I know. Um, Susan and Neil, and I made the point last week, they're not exactly the world's most exciting couple, but we believe them actually as a couple. And, and and in effect, because of the poor writing, um, in effect, Ian and Adam are a boring couple. It's not that they are boring per se. But anyway, uh, move, moving swiftly. Oh, w welcome, welcome to uh, now you are now officially um, an A1 Dumdy Dumber. You're not only a Dumdy Dumber, but you're yep. a quarter in a row. So uh, props to you. And a very lively one. Yes. Call in again. Yes. Um, especially when uh, the, the, the pace needs to be picked up. Call in, yes, sir. Yes, uh, because it's like somebody throwing a bucket of cold water over you. Hey, we're off. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Now, talking about stalwart dumdy dummers, uh, this one yep. is definitely from the top drawer. It's our Andrew Horn. Um, this week, I just want to focus on uh, Will Grundy 
Um, uh. I have to say, when, uh, <laughs> Tracy appeared and was uh, starting oh, her yeah. unsubtle campaign, as I thought, uh, to be, um, I thought, oh, here we go. He'll be some lighthearted uh, fun. Uh, but it soon got out of hand. Uh, I did feel a bit sorry for, for Will uh, with with Tracy at first, um, but there was no excuse uh, for the way he laid into her the following day by the bus stop. Um, there's no excuse for it at all, and particularly not in front of his children. However much he's hurting, no. um, that, that's just not acceptable. Um, and then poor old Poppy, it turns out, um, and Mia did the card, so she's obviously trying to look after her dad, um, but he's not in the right right frame of mind or place to uh, to accept it. So I, I was then feeling sorry for him again. Um, but uh, the other thing that I can't quite work out where it's going is Mia. What What's going on with Mia? What are they setting her up for? Um, if it's just to be a grumpy teenager, they've got plenty of others around that they can uh, can use. So there must be... She must have a part to play maybe in Will's, uh, bringing Will out and through um, to a more acceptance of, of, of Nick's death. Anyway, I'm rambling, but um, uh, I think there's more to play here. So I look forward to that. Bye. Bye. Well, she's a, she's a teenage carer, isn't she? And yeah, I can't remember Probably which caller in her... Uh, um, a week or so back says that Will is surviving as a single parent. He actually isn't because he's depending too much on Mia. Yeah. And Mia is a natural carer in parentheses. She's very good with her younger sibling, with Poppy, mm. but not just in a sibling way, that she is that cross between sibling and an adult and carer. Yeah, she's got a, an, an element of authority to Absolutely. her. Absolutely, and she knows much more about Poppy's routine, intimate routine, than, than Will does. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I'm sure other members of the Grundy family um, have probably, probably seen this too, uh, but Will is still wrapped up in his own grief, understandable to a degree, but Will has never been uh, the partner to concentrate on home. He was that traditional He's that traditional uh, guy, isn't he, that he goes out to work and things were done for him yep. at home. The hunter and gatherer. Absolutely. So hence, mm. it's created this space for Mia to become um, Nick Light, you know, and, and yeah. uh, Will has not realised that. Yeah. And I, and I actually applaud the, applaud the script writers for introducing this storyline in, into, into the show because... You know, one thing that any long-running soap uh, suffers from is just the repetitive nature of certain storylines. So we've had uh, two brothers fancying the same woman and some kind of love tussle. And this is definitely a a new element. Um, I think there's some 700,000 young carers within the UK. You know, one in every 12 teenagers actually does look after um, a sibling. No, so this really? yeah 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 so this is this is a big thing not just in the UK but in societies all around the world you know and um I can't yeah. remember it being brought up and then Mia at least we're led to believe um she's not only in, she she embraces the role she wants to be there she wants to be a rock for will but then 
what some carers, some young carers have in her situation, they then develop kind of a hero complex for uh, the remaining parent, and that can yeah. be confused yeah. with romantic feelings. So, yeah. you know, I think this is an incredibly brave and important storyline, and I applaud the scriptwriters for for um, yeah. bringing it to the fore. Um, yes, here, here, I quite agree, and um, I think that unfortunately, little Mia is is quite empathic, like her mother, and I think she has realised that. Will is very fragile. That Will's mental health is a bit fragile. So she's trying to protect him. She's trying to look after um, her little sister and protect, you know, a grown man because she doesn't trust his reactions, mm. which is, you know, not very good. We None of us like Will Grundy. And as I used to say <laughs> in Dumdy Dum after Dumdy Dum before, that the our sympathies for the two Grundy brothers have uh, crossed over in the what the 30 plus years that the two characters have been on the show that it was always ed who was the the one who just kind of rolled your eyes at and stuff and and ed has settled down and will as displays this vicious side you know he can really let people have it yeah but yes but actually as a character he's brilliant because as well as having that vicious side we've seen the rapprochement with him and emma and him and emma both respect each other don't they it's taken them a long time to get there yeah but they can have quiet moments with each other and will accepts that she lives with his brother and they are bringing up his son who he obviously dotes on and and he also appreciates what she's done for him in terms of yes absolutely um, helping Seen, look yeah, after yeah, Nick's children exactly and, all that. and she has um a, you know she keeps an eye on on Will uh because of that you know and he appreciates yeah. that but he's yeah. a fucking evil shit at the same time and and that's the reason why you have to say great character not a likable one but yeah. he can flip. You know, yeah, and he has, and he has this ball of innate anger within him. The anger was towards his brother first off, and him perceiving that his brother was, was given too much latitude as a child and as a teenager, and then his brother went off the rails, but he was the steady one. Then his brother took took his took his wife, etc. And now he's just angry at the world, isn't he? That he's mm. lost his wife. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant character, don't like him, but fantastic. Long yeah. <laughs> may he reign in Ambridge. <laughs> uh, we haven't done Monty, have we? Oh, of course we haven't. Nope. Because, all right, here's Monty. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Uh, it's Monty here. Um, Hello. Last episode, what do I want to say? Um, okay, Kate, uh, when uh, Lenin said, well, nobody wants to see you living in a yurt. Uh, well, I do. I think we just <laughs> exactly. deserve uh, and a real shame that actually she's going to go and inflict herself on on Justin, who uh, yeah. I quite like. I, I, I think she would wear pretty thin pretty quickly living as a living partner, and I think Lillian might just be about to find that out. Uh, David Archer, um, honestly, spying on a bunch of teenagers, really, really sad. Uh, honestly, what did he think? Um, and his attitude to Leonard is really infantile, I think. Um you know, 
his his mother's uh, been been single for many years now, and he seems like a perfectly decent chap, Leonard. So be happy for her. Um, and one thing about uh, the uh, the spying, Molly Button sounds like a right laugh. I I think we should start the campaign to make her a real char- character because there's not <laughs> enough uh, female characters who who are. Uh, uh, come across in, as a fun-loving and, and, and normal, and I think Molly Button sounds sounds really good fun. Um, Elizabeth, great acting by by the act, actress who plays Elizabeth, really good. But again, can't help but thinking, where, where is Lewis in all this? If it, yes. she's been going downhill and running the estate down for a while, and, and it really doesn't ring true that Lewis wouldn't have uh, noticed. Um, just to come back to my previous point, uh, you are you said I was the most bitter. A caller in her before, and I wear that with a badge of pride. The characters are like Jolene, Ben and Rory, Lillian, Alastair, Johnny, and Ian. Although Ian's star has faded a little earlier, so um, bring bring Molly Button as a real character, and I think there'd, there'd be another one I would like. Anyway, thanks. Bye bye. Bye. Monty is my spirit animal, isn't he? He basically <laughs> says everything that I've just put in the bloody monologue, and then out it comes. Um, Molly Button is a real character. She just doesn't speak. But I'm, yes. I'm being somewhat pedantic. Just a bit there. quiet. Just a bit, a little bit yes. pedantic. But you know what? I kind of agree that we should have her as a speaking character because she could be the young Fallon because that's what Fallon was brought into, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah. Fallon was yeah. rebellious. She was fun. Yeah. She was, you know, she sang. Well, we need band. to have a young Tracy, Tracy Horobin, don't we? Who is an absolute sodding nightmare, but she's quite funny. Mm. Well, you know, mm. yeah. Do you know what they have been slipping Tracy Horobin into things, haven't they? You know, yeah, like unheralded. There she is, speaking part yeah. a couple of times. But I don't know. You know, I, I, I whilst I like her, bit much, bit much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, trying to get every man in the village. You know, the village vamp. <laughs> but anyway, um, right from Monty. Uh, why don't we go up into the heavens and let's have a little bit of a goddess. Hey, Dumpty Dumps, Goddess Diva here. A um, couple of things this week. I'm not going to talk about Lizzie because I'm sure there's going to be lots of people talking about Lizzie. But Mia, oh, that poor child. My heart absolutely mm. went out to her, completely goes out to her. She's acting as a carer. And Will, the misogynist piece of shit, lest we forget what went <laughs> on with the cricket team is um, going to have to realise that that's what's going on and not make her go to Drayton Manor because, let's be honest, it's a bit shit, but make sure <laughs> she has a life and she's not just looking after our party. Um, other person I wanted to talk about was Lee. Totally called it. Um, he is just raising more and more red flags for me. It's... Um, the idea that he's building a narrative about his ex. Now things are getting a little bit more serious with Helen. Mm. So that when when Alicia, I think her name is, says you'll need to watch him. He's not a, a, the man who you think he is. She will already have been primed to have seen his ex as bitter and paranoid because he sat on the sofa mm. so much and didn't put shelves up. A mm. lot more to it than that. I have a feeling we're going to see the nasty side of Lee at some point. That was all, really. Just hope you all have a good week. And as Raven said, when Kate asked to move in, never more. <laughs> I will speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. I don't know about Lee. 
I'm not. I don't think they'd do it to, to, to Helen twice. Well, no, three times. Oh, God. Exactly. Yeah. Remember, she had that horrendous, yeah. horrendous uh, man before. Greg. Greg, exactly. I can't remember his name. He, he topped himself. I, I, I don't think so either. And I think the whole point of his him talking about his relationship is to be in stark contrast to Helen and hers and the fact that he feels uneasy about it, feels guilt, but is talking about it because he, he wants to get it out there. And we're supposed to then infer, you know, under, well, not understand, we're supposed to see, and we've seen it, we heard it, you know, the the internal fight, wrestle that Helen has with herself about revealing yeah. what she's been through and the effect yeah. that, that would have on her new partner yeah that's the whole point yeah. i think yeah. lee is there as you know as one previous caller said he you know he's he's beige he he's there's nothing remarkable about him he's utterly ordinary and and in a way helen is slightly settling that's the thing not because he's an ogre but because um socioeconomically he is um, of a different strata and intellectually, mm. as Pat has said, well, he's not that bright, is he? But, you know, she dressed it up in, in other words and stuff and talking yeah. about his, his white trainers, et cetera, that he, he, he doesn't seem like Helen's sort. And, and mm. that's what we're supposed to infer from all of this. But he's a pretty decent but beige type of bloke. And Helen, mm. on some level, is settling because, you know what, he doesn't come with a side and an edge. He's just a regular person and he's got some some good points and bad points. But, he's, but his bad points aren't to the point of being needed to be stabbed with a, with a kitchen knife, you know. That... <laughs> Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give him time. <laughs> no, but... All you know, all this stuff about going, to, you know, on Valentine's Day and having going to the Mexican restaurant, and it yeah, and then Emma going, oh, I love it there. Exactly. And, you know, it was yeah. This is this is that. pointing a finger at yeah. us for being yeah. snobs, snobby. Exactly. Yeah. That's what the whole. That's you know, three quarters of the leash stick. That it's it's yeah. looking back at us, the listeners, who are like, oh yes, you know, we listen to Radio Four, don't you know? And we're a, we're a little bit of a cut above intellectually. And here's a guy who's just, I'm just an ordinary bloke. Yeah. I'm not. I yeah. have no level of pretense at all. So I think that's the thing about Ali. I could be wrong, but as as Lucy said at the start of this uh, uh, answer to you, goddess, they're not going to put Helen through this a third time. Yeah, that would be lazy writing. Mm, yeah. Or us, exactly. So could be wrong. Don't think so, though. Now, um, last week's storyline uh, not only uh, rang true for our Lucy, but also for another one of our stalwart listeners. It's our, it's our Amy, and uh, she uh, took to speak pipe to tell us all about her thoughts and feelings. Hello, it's Amy Gilbert here. Bit of um, ooh, I don't quite know what to do with myself. Quite like when uh, Rob got stabbed, but obviously uh, in a different uh, way. Uh, wow, just no words to describe the two hander episode between uh, Elizabeth and. Um, sorry, I keep thinking of her as Mrs. Tembo from Doctors, which she is uh, the therapist. 
Um, <laughs> just that was just brilliant, brilliant acting. Well done, Ali. Um, and um, what's her name, Lorna? It, you know, it brought a lot back for me, and I'll try and keep this brief because I know we're only allowed a couple of minutes. Um, it brought a lot back for me because um, I had counselling a few years ago to deal with a lot of anxiety and uh, depression issues. And it was like, it's like bearing your soul, um, have it, having everything out on the table. It's very hard, but I tell you what, it was worth it because it helped me mm. get a lot out. And I hope that it does the same for Elizabeth. But um, wonderful writing, wonderful acting. And yeah, so that's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to leave you now and go watch Emmerdale. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'll speak to you all very soon. Love you all. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you. Fancy going for it. She's cheating on the archers with Emmerdale. That's <laughs> you know, you know what they say, Lucy, when you, whenever you go rural, you never go back. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a just one step away from country file, and then it's all over. There you go. There you go. Um, that was our Amy Gilbert. Just a thought, folks. I'm in Toronto right now, visit, visiting my kids, and I'll tell you what, Lucy. Uh, proud dad moment. As a quick digression, um, Noah yeah. drove me for the first time <gasps> two days ago. Yeah, yeah. Were you breaking? I was, your side. and he did kind Were of almost you? mount oh. the central reservation, and uh, <laughs> and he said, "No, Dad, that was snow." I went, "No, son, you actually <laughs> clipped the central reservation." <laughs> but no, he did a good job. He was very careful. You know, he did all of his um, his signals oh. well in advance of any maneuver, and it was just like, "I saw you being born, and now you're driving." Yeah. Me. God. Proud yeah. dad moment. Anyway, the whole point of me mentioning Toronto is to say that, yes, I'm in Toronto. Now, um, Christina, who was our listener that flew all the way from America land to, um, to come to the Dum Dum weekend. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Wants to organise a Dum Dum meetup in Toronto. Now, um, she sent me the email and I said yes. However... Right. I know there's Mary, not contrary, and there's Victoria Littler, and there are there are the the, the Toronto Dumdy Dummers. But I know that there are more Toronto listeners out there. So what I want you to do, if you live in the Toronto area, if you're in southern Ontario, please send me an email and say yes, you'd be up for coming along to a meetup. Because what I don't want Christina to do is organize something and then dare I say she's gonna come in from America and there's only five listeners five is a wonderful number right but if she's gonna kind of go for it and she wants to go for it I just need to know that there is going to be a little bit of a demand and there's going to be other listeners who live in the southern Ontario region that go yeah you know I'll come along let's make it 15 also and then we'll have a slap up meal somewhere and we really absolutely go for it so if you're in the southern ontario region if you can get to toronto easily please email me at royfield at gmail.com just say oi mush yeah i'd come to that right <laughs> and uh, and then i'll let christina uh loose on it all right so that's that now we've got one more caller in her have we got any emails are oh, lucy afterwards we, ha- we haven't got we've got red agnes katrina paul Catherine, and drew as emails? No, as caller in What, have we not done Red Agnes? 
Nope. Good heavens. Or Katrina, or Paul, or Catherine. No, or Katrina's Drew. now. Oh, dearie me. We've got a, this is a long, this is a bumper episode. All right, then. Here is Katrina. Hi there, Dumpty Dum. This is Katrina. I'm a first time caller in era. I just want to say that I'm really proud of Elizabeth for being finally being able to admit that she has depression. And um, I just want to say that I'm really happy for her that her family are very supportive and that you know the Archers clan are ready to help her out whatever they can. Um, it's just that I'm sort of similarly going through. Uh, depression as well and it's taken me already seven months so so to realize that I'm not okay so my heart really Mm. goes out to Elizabeth and I hope she gets better thank you uh we hope the same for you too absolutely and uh thank you for being um open and and brave to be able to share that with us and that that's the wonderful thing about um drama is that we can see ourselves reflected in it and uh and then we can it gives us kind of a kind of strength you know to be able to to, to talk about it so uh, so thank you for that and it goes to the heart of the remit of the bbc to educate inform and to entertain so there you go so thank you uh now we've got our drew who i know is a favorite of our lucy hi dumpty dum gang this is drew calling from tokyo I'm sorry to call two Hello. weeks in a row, but I've been following along with this Bridge Farm Choose Your Own Adventure VegBox platform. And <laughs> the stories actually frighten me a little bit because stories like this are often handled really poorly by entertainment writers who don't really understand software development. And I've been a little bit worried that Tom was just going to show up having read a Teach Yourself to Program in 21 Days book and that that will have been presented to us as a realistic way that they would get their app made. But no, they went to a software development house and the requirements for their, you know, for their veg box is a little bit more complex than just an off the shelf shopping cart program would, uh, would need. And so I did a quick back-of-the-envelope calculation, and they're probably looking at something like, well, here we would say 2 million yen for upfront development costs. That's about 15,000 British pounds. And there's going to be monthly recurring costs for server rental, for bandwidth costs, for their mapping API, and uh, a little bit of, you know, software debugging and updating and things like that. And so that's another few hundred pounds Um, The credit card processors are going to need their chunk of flesh. Uh, There's going to be customer support and advertising. So my question is, how many people are buying these veg boxes? Because it seems like it's only going to be a few hundred or so. Yeah. How on earth can they possibly make any money at that? (laughs) Anyway, that's about it. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Uh, That is a bloody good point. Well, yes. And... um, I know a little bit about the cost of software and yes, you can go and get somebody on fiverr.com to do something for five, ten dollars but that is not to build an app. You know, that that's to no. fix a bit of dodgy bit of code on your website, on a WordPress yeah. website and what they want is something much more sophisticated. And and, and I think I, I could be wrong because my, my brain is addled at the best of times even when I haven't got a cold like I do have now. But last week, um, when I talked about the fact that Johnny, 
I think is going to end up inheriting the farm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I kind of, if I didn't actually say this, I kind of hinted at this, that, you know, with Tom, it's kind of flights of fancy. Whereas at the core of Johnny's essence is, I just want to be a farmer and I want to be yeah. a custodian of the land. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it makes little and no sense to have a nap mm. for this uh, veg yeah. box malarkey because, yeah. as Drew said, yeah. it's a couple hundred people, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Yep. But Nonsense. if you got a million quid Otter burning box. a big hole in your pocket because you sold off, you know, half half of the the land of the farm, you know, you got to splash it out on something, haven't you? So I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, this next person, Arlus, has be mm-hmm. uh, has sent me a message, and resplendent in this message is her dropping shapes in a in her garden. It's our <laughs> red Agnes. In I, I, I hope whilst you're listening to this, Red Agnes, or at least whilst you're recording this, sorry, you're wearing your purple hoodie, which bears the slogan "Dumpty Dum" proudly across your chest. Hello there, Dumpty Dummers. Red Agnes here, suffering from a bit of hay fever or something. Don't know what. Sorry about the sniffing. Uh, you'll spot that later on. Uh, having a bit of an any other business day today. Having a spot of lunch really isn't a thing up north, right? What is a spot of lunch? No idea. Is it like a slap-up meal? We don't have one. Um, I'm worried about the new Organics VegBox apps because if everyone clicks on Pak Choi, there'll be a glut or a pile or a nice dead pod of leeks in Ambridge and that can't be a good thing. <laughs> so that's Red Agnes. Now, Lucy, I've been crowing yes. all week, right? Because, have yes, you? because it was with some trepidation that I took the scriptwriters to task last week and um, about their portrayal of Adam and Ian. And then, the, uh, of course, that was on the back of a call from um, our vicar up in the lower Upper East Side in, in New York, New York Nigel, right? And, um, you know, because he had a very different take on things. But you want to know what, Lucy? I've been vindicated. One of my favourite gayers... Yay! Right, it says Royfield Bang to write you were right, and of course you're going to read you're <laughs> going to read out that very lengthy email that he wrote, aren't you? Saying that I was right and he was wrong. Um, I don't think I've got it. Why is it that when I say something and I get vindicated just for once, and then they they you know record that electronically and I forward <laughs> it to you, you choose not. You didn't. You just sent me a message that said with you saying thank you. His original thing wasn't on it. Oh. So wasn't it like him saying, Royfield, you were really right, and um, I completely understand the points that you made, and now I hate Adam and Ian too? I'm sure that's what it said, Royfield, obviously. I just haven't got evidence that that's what it said. Anyway, everybody, I was right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and New York Nigel admits it and so does Witherspoon and Witherspoon actually sent me um, a little uh, DM saying Royfield I was so angry first off with what you said I was washing the dishes and then I said I have to rewind this again and he said actually no uh, you you were right and yeah yes. so and then he, after he'd smashed all yeah. his plates so <laughs> the crockery's gone for a Burton <laughs> but anyway <laughs> he did agree with me so anyway folks let's quickly take five let's have some advertisements so let's pay some bills come back the other side with some Millie Bell action 
Good day, everyone. Okay. What a great week on the Archers this week. Um, I had a bit of a whinge about Kate because um, I think she's in her early 40s and I asked, how many people do you know apart from anyone with special support needs who expects to have free board and lodging with their parents at 40? And Lydon said, the Windsors and their extended family, which is a really good point. Uh, Al Williams said, Helen. And Claire Mansell said, oh, I know one. And it's why we're no longer friends. Uh, Macy Jett said, <laughs> I hate Kate. She's going to move in on Roy when Kirsty leaves. Moving in on Roy in more ways than one. She is such a sponger. Uh, Leslie Greaves said that most of the characters in Ambridge seem to have arrested development. Tom, Helen, Toby and Kenton as examples. Richard Beveridge said, Kate is a knob. But I don't think that qualifies as a special support need. Uh, Nick Holland said, both forgetful and entitled. A killer combination. Wait for her to lash on to Elizabeth. Oh, no, no, no. That's the last thing that Elizabeth needs. Mm. Uh, Witherspoon also pointed out that the scriptwriters had researched the most effective treatment combination for Lizzie for her clinical depression, which is therapy, CBT, combined with antidepressant medication. Although he was a bit disappointed that Kenton seems to think it will work in one session. We have yes. also put up a link for Jerome Turner's uh, survey. So Jerome Turner uh, initially put this up on Academic Archers. He's going to be uh, putting a paper out at the conference, the Archers Conference in April, and he's got an Archer Listen survey. Now, we all have very strong opinions about the Archers, so please uh, fill that out. I know he'd be really appreciative. Uh, you can either find that on our page or, of course, on Academic Archers. It's your call, which you find the easiest to access. Now, we then talked at length about the, uh, the, the episode that had Lizzie and her therapist. I've never been to therapy, but to me it seemed very, very realistic. And I just kept thinking about how very happy with a spoon would be because he's always encouraging us to use that as a support uh, mechanism. <laughs> and I wondered how other people uh, responded to this uh, episode uh, Stephen Bowden said, I thought that it was an extraordinary and brilliant episode. It delivered a really good recapitulation of uh, Elizabeth's life story and her relationship with Nigel and gave it a degree of dramatic unity that suggests that the editors have known what they've been doing over the last 50 years, for most of which I've been a listener. Okay, so I haven't been through therapy myself, so I can't really comment on the technical accuracy, but I know from seeing dramatizations of my own line of work that cleaving too much to being technically accurate usually results in bad drama. Oh, that's a really good point, Stephen. I said extraordinary to begin with, and by that I'm expressing the hope that we don't get too many episodes like this because they would become wearing, but this one was spot on. Um, Witherspoon said, as I tweeted, much congratulations to uh, Elizabeth Dowling and the Archers. We had all talked last week about whether we get to hear snippets of Elizabeth's therapy and the script writers devoted an entire episode to it. Considering they were condensing a therapeutic hour into th 13 minutes and there had to be a quick dramatic payoff, I thought it was realistic and I hope we get to hear more in the future. A bit like a busman's holiday, I would have thought Witherspoon. Uh, Sarah Passingham said that she was riveted both with the two-hander format, the writing, and the really excellent acting. I have had therapy and yeah. thought the scriptwriters got Elizabeth's initial resistance spot on. It would have been over 50 minutes or possibly over several sessions and not 15 minutes, but it sounded totally believable to me, so much so that I was a bit tearful by the end. Oh, cyber hug, Sarah. Yes. That's no good. 
but it is good that it, it um, affects us and touches us, I guess. Uh, Janice Betson said it was very well acted as well. The editor who gratuitously killed off Nigel has a lot to answer for. And uh, Jennifer Preston said, I thought it was excellent. Only criticism is that on the NHS, Elizabeth would still be waiting for an assessment and it's and if it's private, she would s- still have to work out what kind of therapy she needs or have her GP recommend, but a lot would not have the knowledge to recommend and then find a therapist. Seems very unrealistic to have got talking therapy this fast. Oh, that's interesting. So it's quite hard to get in the UK, is it? Mm. Uh, Tracy Shepard said it was very well done. I, too, am a widow. They've done their research. Uh, So lots and lots in that vein. Uh, Some people have been to therapy commenting, some like myself who haven't, who also felt touched by it and thought it was excellent. Uh, We did have a bit of a chat about the card and whether it, uh, the Valentine's card and whether it was meant for Will, but of course that resolved itself. So I'll leave you to go on Facebook to have a look at that thread. And Lydia Robottom, Robotham, or Robotham, sorry, um, has put up a picture of her dumpty dog and uh, that's encouraged others to do the same. So feel free to come and have a look at other people's uh, dogs. They're very, very cute. And a final word is with Lillian and Kate living together, I'm asking you what could possibly go wrong. So until I speak to you again, <laughs> I say to you, Thank you, Millie Bell. Uh, Lucy. I've got an announcement. Oh, God. Can I make an, annou- an announcement? Go on. It's very good Ooh, news. All right, then. Okay. Um, uh, you know Harriet Shambridge's? Yes. No, well. Yes. Harriet uh, became pregnant last year, and the baby was due on Valentine's Day. However, the baby decided to put in an appearance on in November. It clearly got its calendar all stuffed up and just thought, I'm ready now. Um, so for the last uh, three months, two months, whatever, November, December, January, February, yeah, two and a half months, uh, poor Harriet has been in the intensive care unit uh, with her little tiny weenie baby. He was very, very small, um, called Rex. And um, she's been uh, spending every single day with him. It's been an incredible uh, battle um, for him because he was so premature. His little lungs weren't working. Nothing was working. It was very, very tough. Lots of oxygen, lots of scary moments. Um, But I am very happy to say that he came home yesterday. Um, He's still on oxygen at home, but he is um, much, much better. He is um, doing really well. And uh, Harriet is delighted to be home. And um, yes, that's it. So that is a little update on Harriet in case you wondered why we haven't heard from her for so long. Oh, that's fantastic news. And actually, I um, whilst you were talking, I was actually just, uh, I went on to, to Instagram just noodling along on my phone and there's a lovely little picture of him in his Moses basket yeah. doing his little surren- yeah. surrender sign. He's just, arms are just flopped behind yeah. his head and whatever. And <laughs> he looks like he's going to be a wee little chap, a proper wee little chap. So uh well done and congratulations to everybody it's all concerned for getting him home and uh, i'm sure he'll go from strength to strength uh now yes. i'm going to say this now because i'm going to forget but listener you have to listen uh to lucy's walkie talkie uh this week because it, it is absolutely captivating and um i did kind of say to her off mic beforehand that when i was um to say that i i kind of edit them is um somewhat overstating what i do i think i put about three transitional edits in it 
um, but uh, Lucy kind of pre-edits them as well as um, finding these wonderful people that can open up to her and talk about um, the key moments in their life which form them as adults and this is definitely one of those and it was an absolutely captivating listen and I was I was putting putting the show together doing the background music and the sound effects and I was absolutely a listener so bravo to you Freeman it was an absolutely captivating <laughs> Thank you very listen much. <laughs> and uh, I wish I had your skills anyway so listen to walkie talkie because it's awesome uh right now Lucy give us some tweets please um who have we got iHeartEU said, I'm a little concerned that somewhere in Thailand there's a fisherman wanting his trousers back, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, little Kim said, Lee, I didn't treat my wife very well. Helen, hold my knife. Beer! I mean, hold my beer! <laughs> um, David from Barnet uh, said, they fuck you up, your Phil and Jill. Very good. <laughs> Esther Pickle said, I like to imagine Lee on his way to pick Helen up for their date sporting pumped-up trainers and a white shell suit with gold piping and gingerly stepping through the mud and the shit in the bridge farm yard like a Borsetshire Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of a Borsetshire Lewis Hamilton. And Tweet of the Week is from Julian Smith, a.k.a. The Starchers, and said, Kenton, and here, Leonard, is where my brother-in-law Nigel fell to the ground from the roof after suffering an attack of Whitburn. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Well done to all concerned. Your <laughs> wonderful tweets. Um, on the odd occasion, at round about this point, Lucy, I said, right, and uh, I've been sent some maps, and then you just like let me have it with both barrels. But now you've, been, now you've got your own outlet, haven't I you? I have, I have. Map Corner was released into the wilds, folks, yesterday. And uh, ser- server Yay! meltdown, I think it's probably got about 100 listens. So, <laughs> Yay. but baby steps <laughs> and all. And I've done it with our with the lovely, very clever, very funny uh, Claire Asprey. So go and search for Map Corner on your favorite podcatching device and uh, it, you'll, you'll get it. And, um, and also what, what we've done is um, I've done an interview with our Kerry Davis for episode two of Map Corner, talking about imaginary maps. Of course, there is one for Ambridge. So what I'm going to do, if you are a um, a WDM Extra uh, Patreon type person, um, I'm going to release that to you with some extra bit of uh, audio because after I said, right then, Kerry, um, interview's done, he then chunted on for 10 minutes about the archers. And so <laughs> you're going to get the, all of that interview if you're a Patreon supporter and the extra 10 minutes of chuntering from Kerry because um, he admitted that I was right. That's all I'm going to say. So if you're a dum dum listener, you've been listening to the last few episodes, <laughs> you'll know what I'm referring to. But he went, Royfield, caught bang to write you were right. And he explained why he said what he said. Anyway, so... That is at map corner dot space. Royfield, should we just should we just call this episode Vindication? <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> the whole episode has been you've been going, yep, well I was right, and they said I was right, <laughs> and it turned out I was right. <laughs> Considering that you took over in a very heartfelt and emotional and honest, in nakedly honest way, 
15 minutes of the podcast in the middle to say that. The- <gasps> Was it 15 minutes? Okay, let's call it 13 no. and a half, right? But Lucy, bloody hell, 13 and on, a half man. minutes of, uh, you know, heartfelt emotion and insight into, um, you know, the illness that you have and, and, and why you feel a connection with the storyline with, uh, with Elizabeth. So I'm not, yeah, so for you then to accuse me, Obloviating my vindication all the way through this podcast thing is a little, and it's a little bit rum. But anyway, all right. right. So, dumpty dum, go there, folks. Um, it's got a shop, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, are you buying stuff from the shop? We've had Red Agnes get her purple hoodie, and uh, I'm going to display the picture of that on dumdydum.com. We've got Angela Barnes and a new little pooch, and she's got a dog bandana. And there's all manner of you who are actually buying stuff on dumdydum.com, hitting the, the tab shop. And uh, what I need you to do, though, folks, is to uh, post me back on any level of social media. It's Twitter or Facebook. Um, the pictures of you in your dumdydum merch, because then we put together a collage uh, on the website. And it's just good to see you um, just like resplendent in your Dumpty Dum stuff. So now you go to dumptydum.com. It's got awesome things on there as well as the shop. It's got the forum and it's got all the back issues. That's one thing we never talk about, the back edition, sorry, of of the show. So if you just bumped into us today and you go, huh, they're on episode 270 odd or whatever the heck it is, you can go back and you can't quite listen to episode one. It only goes back to episode 30, but still you can go back, start from the beginning and get lots of Royfield Lucy and Naked Fingers loveliness. So why don't you go and do that? Dumdydum.com, go there, it's got a shop and some other stuff. Uh, right, now he says clicking on his script. Um, and don't forget, you can support our podcast. So if you do want to get um, exclusive interviews and, and content, go on to patreon though i know some people actually go on to paypal they find that easier set up a recurring payment and it's two episodes per show so we put out approximately four a month so that ends up being about eight dollars and then uh you can sign up for the extra goodies when myself or lucy or whoever interviews one of the stars of the show or somebody who's behind the scenes of the archers so go on to patreon.com or if uh, paypal is easy for you you can go and do that now, Lucy, uh, the next bit's in red. Um, remember to get in contact uh, with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or you can call 0203 to leave a message. You can find myself, Royfield and Lucy at Dumpty Dum on Twitter. We've got to stop saying that, you know, really, because it's Yokel Bear. Like, I feel like we're yes. taking all the credit. Yes. You can find Yokel Bear masquerading at Dumpty Dum on Twitter. Um, however lucy is at uh lucy v freeman and i can be found at royfield um on facebook quite simply if you type in dumpty dum you'll find us on facebook uh so that's just about that um other than um lucy it's my favorite bit of the show uh you got any favorite mirror headlines for us um, no. So you've let me down with wanted, my favourite bit of the I've show. I've let you down completely. Jesus Sorry. Um, but I wanted to use the time to say thank you so much to everybody for your very, very, very lovely um, words of comfort to me when poor old Basil was 
clouted by a car. Uh, he was chasing a deer uh, and uh, went into the road in the forest and was hit by a car that didn't stop and drove off. So well uh-huh. done you, sir, whoever you were, um, or madam, of course. And um, uh, he is much better. He is sitting by my side now as I'm doing this on his cushion. He is a bit off his head um, with very strong painkillers um, and he's covered in cups and bruises and swelling bits and he's not very happy but he is uh, a lot better than he was so thank you thank you for all your nice kind words so is it just a case of painkillers is that his only kind of course of treatment yeah he smacked when he hit the pavement he smashed his tooth out so uh he's got like a splintered bit in his mouth so he has to go back and have that fixed um later on but now he's uh yeah just recovering really and everything hurts and you can tell he sort of gets up to try and get all excited to see you and then remembers that everything hurts and sort of winces and sits back down again it's very sad bless him yes well give him a special we're gonna say hug but in a way that won't hurt him from his uncle royfield yes okay i will thank you all right well (laughs) i will let you off not having any mirror headlines this week sorry no excuse next week all right (laughs) okay pull your socks up freeman all right listen you I've let myself down. I've let the school down. I know. I'm sorry. Um, uh, that's it, folks. That's us. Dumpty Dum is done. This is a bit of a long one, but um, what, one of the lovely things about the last few weeks of uh, doing Dumpty Dum is just seeing um, the podcast grow in terms of listeners and stuff, and that's definitely reflected with the amount of calls that we're getting. So, uh, so thank you, and uh, long live Ambridge. Yay! Well done, you. All right, y'all. Cool. Hopes. That was an epic.